most non-magic folk don't know the massive amount of work that goes into witchcraft. If you watch the movies, you might think it's all big hats and black cats, but there's a ton of prep that goes into anything in service to Satan. If only it were as simple as tossing a newt's eye into a cauldron and being granted eternal youth. Yet, the fact is, like anything else worth doing, it takes tremendous study, practice, trial and error, and above all, patience and determination. Once upon a time, or whatever, there was a young witch named Randy who was destined to learn this fact about witchcraft the hard way. He was kind of a bum, long greasy hair, bad posture, you know, not a lot of attention from the opposite sex, couldn't even curl 20 pounds, I'm, I'm sure you're getting the picture. Randy didn't have a ton of ambition, or guidance for that matter, but he did have a lot of magic in him, and as soon as he discovered that, his entire life changed course. Randy lacked many skills, but loyalty was not one of them. When his grandmother took ill, he accompanied his mother and his twin sisters to visit her weekly until she bid her farewell. He didn't just accompany either. He really sat and spent those last few moments giving his grandmother the connection and conversation that she sought before, if Satan willed it, she'd pass through the gates of hell. On what would be the last time they saw her, Randy and his two sisters Megan and Carmen were summoned for a private discussion with their beloved elder, outside of their mother's earshot. She asked them to come in close, clarified how much she loved them, then told them what she had wanted to share with them since they were babes. She explained that their mother loved them so much that sometimes it stunted their natural potential. In fact, she had shielded them from some of their most powerful gifts. The fact was that their blood ran thick with magic. For generations, women and men in their line have conjured immense power through rituals, sacrifices, and other ancient rites. The bottom line was, Randy was a witch. His mother had grown up amidst her mother's coven, which during its time was one of the most powerful in the world. It was the reason his grandmother refused to move out of that particular part of Gainesville. The magic was overwhelmingly potent in this locale, and thus, that's where her people called home. Which naturally meant his mother got the hell out of there as soon as she could. Being the rebel that she was, Randy's mom rebuked all of her ancestry and swore she would never teach her children anything having to do with that Wiccan lifestyle thereby single-handedly destroying one of the most powerful lineages in the field. His grandmother begged and begged for her to rethink her position when Randy was born, and tried once more when Megan and Carmen came along, citing that twins are especially powerful and a sign of favor in their culture. But the best she could do was to get his mother to skip their baptisms, which would have quenched their bright futures as quickly as Florida screwed up the 2000 election, which of course involved tons of witchcraft. Shout out to Skull and Bones. Although there were several key rituals that the grandchildren had missed during their development, and thus, their potential would never reach the heights that it should have, they were still young enough to build up an acumen and use the devil's tools to accumulate power, riches, and anything else they wanted. Their grandmother told them that they would find a small chest of tools in her sewing room, and if they so wished, they could begin studying as soon as they pleased and fulfill their true destinies. Randy's poor grandma passed peacefully not much later, and although his sisters were reluctant to take anything she said seriously, Randy was just like his mother, ready to rebel against his own domineering parental figure. So he went ahead and took a look into that chest. He found so many stacks of books, jars of potions, and other related material that he decided he should just go ahead and take the lot to his room so he could properly study each element. It weighed about 80 pounds though, so first he had to stop by a hardware store and buy a dolly. It only took Randy about an hour or so of study to come to the stark conclusion that he was ready to dedicate his life to the will of Lucifer. It just made so much sense. No wonder his life sucked. 
He was supposed to be an elite practitioner of the dark arts. All he had to do was tap into this devil-given potential, and he'd be rich, feared, and adored by every one of these peasants. It was a no-brainer. Though Randy did not have many applicable skills under his mastery, he had already spent years earning the title of King of the Shortcut. After skimming through the first textbook, he felt that he got the gist of it enough to run a ritual. After all, he was a powerful witch, so it shouldn't take too much outside work to unleash the voodoo running through his veins. The first thing he needed was to form a coven. That was clear in his grandma's notes. There is no witch powerful enough to alter time and space by his or herself. It's just not how things were done. He figured he'd go right to the twins, but the girls were in no way interested. They even laughed at him for taking their morphined-up grandma's words to heart as much as he was. Instead of taking their insolence as constructive and a sign of how in over his head he was, he stormed out and told himself he'd recruit even better witches. And boy, would his sisters feel stupid when he became king of the underworld. Randy, of course, forgot one thing. He had no friends. He thought it wasn't a huge problem because he didn't need friends. He needed witches. If he was opening a bar, would he be looking for friends? No, he'd need staff. This coven was nothing more than his own startup, and as founder and CEO, Randy needed to recruit the best he could find, not just the people he already knew. The safest thing to do would be to find other alienated people and see what their thoughts were on the gig. This wasn't hard because, at his job at the obscure movie rental shop that no one in town really knew existed, pretty much the only people who came in were alienated weirdos. After approaching a handful of dudes, many of whom initially just turned and ran when spoken to, he found three guys up to the task. Tommy Niedemeyer, Seth Rontana, and Miggy Cintura. So, Randy called the first meeting, and with a full turnout in that tiny library study group room, they addressed the most pressing issue, the name. The leader came prepared with a few options, including a slew of demon names, or a spin-off either of his grandma's name, Gwendolyn, or her coven's name, Sartorius Coven. He was the only one who came prepared, apparently, because the discussion quickly devolved into an impromptu Three Stooges skit. So what do we think? The leader asked. Tommy hopped in with his first doubts. I don't know, man. I never heard of any of these guys. No one's going to get it. No one has to get it. We just need something cool to refer to us by. Why do we even need a name? Chimed in Miggy. I got to put something in my bio, answered Tommy. Plus, with the name, we can make our own Insta, maybe a YouTube, a podcast down the line, get some merch. You know, it's all about multiple streams of income. Got to earn that money while you sleep. Randy gained control of the discussion again by explaining to the coven that they needed a name because they needed to start building a culture, like how the Yankees make their players all shave their beards and cut their hair. That sounds gay, bro, countered Seth. This is supposed to be dark devil shit. Can't put a bunch of rules on that. Isn't chaos like the whole point? Randy was realizing more and more as this went on that they were going to get nowhere with this task, and he was really going to have to do the heavy pushing on almost everything with these guys. He had no other choice, though, because it was hard enough finding these three clowns to conjure with him, so he just bit his tongue and carried on. Wait, I got it. Let's just call it Randy's Coven, Tommy shouted in an obvious attempt to suck up to the leader. Or Randy's Crazy Coven, modified Miggy. With a K, though. Randy's K-Razy Coven, finalized Seth. Miggy was unsure and asked if the C and Coven would also be swapped for a K, to which Seth replied in disgust, Of course not! will look like the little rascals of devil shit. It's Randy's k Razy C Coven, dumbass. Forget it. It'll come to us in time. Let's just get to our first ritual. Randy flipped over the whiteboard in the room and revealed his master plan. He had taken a look at some of his grandma's past work and her notes on what worked well and what could be improved, and his ambitions took over. 
It would have been prudent for a young witch to first of all spend a little time studying the craft, at the very least a good year or so of tutelage under a much more experienced Wiccan. Randy naturally had no time for this and wanted to get demons to Earth's stats so he could be rich and powerful as soon as hellishly possible. So he not only skipped several prerequisites and beginner rituals, but he also went so far as to dive his frail frame right into the heaviest of black magic. We're going to burn a baby, he said without an ounce of regret or shame. It's not going to be easy, but I figure if we get this ritual right, we'll show the powers that be that we're not screwing around. Like a wah-wah baby? A human baby? Seth inquired. Where are we supposed to find someone who will let us burn their baby? We talking like with a cigar, or are we like branding it like a cow? Tommy asked. No, we need to find an unbaptized infant and toss it in a fire pit, Randy clarified. It needs to die by our hands and leave no trace of its human form so its soul can go right to Satan. That's the goal. Randy then proceeded to outline the plan which began with the coven disguising themselves as nurses and patrolling the maternity ward until they had the chance to snag a baby. They would then bring it back to Randy's mob's house where he would have a nice pit and altar prepared for the new moon. They'll go through the steps as specified in the notebook and boom, baby burns to a crisp and the devil's glory reigns upon them. Randy would have to learn on the go, though, because one of the main reasons he selected this particular ritual was because his grandmother had never actually done it herself. This one went back hundreds of years when witches used to run Gainesville. Yet, even at their peak power, not one of these practitioners dared to conjure up the considerable magic inherent with taking the soul of a freshly born child. However, none of those witches had the completely unproven and unfounded confidence of Randy, who was more than ready to be the first in generations to steal one of the most innocent and valuable entities in this mystery of existence. After a week of trying to nab an infant from the local maternity ward, Randy's crazy coven was ready to throw in the towel. They had donned the tacky scrubs, printed out the phony IDs, and even went on YouTube to watch interviews of nurses so they knew how to make small talk and which parts of the job to complain about so they'd look legit. But it was just proving to be too challenging. Each day, one or two of the underlings would enter the maternity ward, walk past the babies to make sure there was a fresh stock, and then stay patient as they waited for an opportunity to strike. The thing was, those were few and far in between. Not only was there constant traffic from doctors, nurses, and civilians, but that particular ward had a resident nurse whose only job was to watch the babies and potentially deter local witches from stealing them then tossing them into fire pits. Who knew babies needed so much security? Seth actually did get his hands on one for a few moments. The wily young man made his way further into the hospital and actually succeeded in convincing a nurse to hand him a cart holding one of those precious gifts from above. He had made the bold choice to not just fire in and try to steal a baby, but instead spend a few shifts befriending the nurses on the staff and growing into their good graces. It was actually one of his earliest contacts, Meredith, who was pushing the Cardinelli's bubbly baby boy toward the holding area. He met her on the second day when he made his way into the break room and started chatting her up about the new Snickers-flavored coffee creamer he had brought with him and suggested everyone should try. They spent the whole 10-minute recess together, and in that slight sliver of time, he learned that she was engaged to an accountant she had known since middle school, she loved anything Disney, and something even her fiancé was not privy to, that she keeps a secret stash of snowballs in her bedside drawer. Seth would have made it out with the goods, too, if it weren't for the orderly who caught the thief red-handed. The large man had actually seen this before, so he immediately asked to see Seth's credentials, and when he failed to smooth-talk his way out of it, 
He instead hightailed it out of the ward and relayed to Randy that it was probably best if he never go back. Randy was at his wit's end at this point, but he was in no way ready to give up his last-minute high-level ritual. The notebook clearly stated that it had to be done during a new moon, and that was now only four days away. He had hoped they would have had the baby in possession and had the luxury of a little extra time to cover the expected first-time fumbles, even if that meant he'd have to change a few diapers and burp it or whatever one needed to do. A meeting was called for the sole purpose of reassessing the particulars of the ritual. Randy led off by claiming that there may need to be some concessions. He had not quite realized how difficult simply setting this up would be, and he didn't say this part. That wasn't even accounting for the possibility of him botching the baby burning and having to do it all over again. Anyway, he told them that they might need a sacrifice with a little more maturity. A toddler? Tommy asked. I mean, as young as we could get, but yeah, these should be easier to grab because we just need like some candy or something. I don't know, kids that age get scooped up all the time, right? Yeah, my little cousin got picked up one time when my aunt and uncle were visiting Puerto Rico, added Miggy. They took him to the beach and my uncle swears he nodded off for two minutes. And when he looked up, the kid was gone. Never saw that dude again. So the plan was made. They'd find a toddler, hopefully one that had been baptized and Satan willing within the next few days. And after a precise ritual led by their undisputed leader, promptly toss him into a pit of burning reeds. Crazy Coven camped out at a park the next day, and with a full supply of candy in their possession, they waited for a kid to drift away from the group. After a while, one little boy was a bit more savvy than his friends and ventured off the playground during a round of hide-and-seek, much to the delight of Randy. He approached a child and filled him in on a prime hiding spot just behind an especially thick tree. Randy then planned to let him sit for a while before offering him a goodie bag filled with candy, Pokemon cards, and some random Happy Meal toy. However, Seth beat him to it. As the group waited by the van, Seth suddenly came running to the car carrying a toddler-sized sack and screaming for them to open the door and start the engine. They obliged, and once the witch and child were in the car, they sped off. Fortunately for the coven, the boy they had referred to as Tyler was a mature child. Although he was not mature enough to speak, meaning they just had to hope he hadn't been baptized, he didn't cry or scream, not when he saw the spooky decor in the basement, nor when they put him in the 2x4 fenced enclosure. He simply sat with the iPad that he was given and barely made a peep. Randy was elated. They had their sacrifice well in hand, all of the other items of lesser importance had been procured, and he had two days to spare. The coven was in such high spirits that their leader told them he would buy them all a burger. If they wanted a drink or fries, that was on them. After then snapping at Tommy for even suggesting that they bring Tyler along, they hopped in the van and took off. They grubbed at the local burger joint that only local stomachs could tolerate. And as they did, they began to discuss exactly how their lives would change after the ritual. Randy warned them that the power will indeed consume them, but they need not fear because he would keep them all in line. He assured them that although the devil is the master of tricks, he will always respect those who serve him formidably. It's true. If this works, we'll see a massive influx of favor from the Dark Lord. To be honest, we may be contacted by multiple kings of hell who are going to want to collab. The thing to remember is that we still have a long way to go. Magic is a long-term game. His coven nodded in agreement, except for Miggy, who joked that maybe after they burn a few more children, they'd be able to afford the large fries. As Randy drove his fleet back to the house, he thought a great deal about the next night. 
He had heard it was important to visualize one's dreams as early as possible, so he tried to create as complete a picture as he could. He could see the orange candles burning in a circle around the pentagram created out of the rare salts he had paid almost $30 for, then had to pay extra for Amazon to get it to him by the new moon. The spell clearly stated that he was to mine the salt himself, but he figured that maybe that was easier back when it was written, but surely with today's technology, the devil would allow for the convenience. The pit would burn a lime green after he invoked the proper magic, and it would be smokeless, just like Grandma wrote. Then his underlings, donning their black robes, would lead the child to him. He would utter the necessary phrases, rub the ashes on his shaved skull, lift him into the air, and complete the ritual with aplomb. While lost in thought, reality peeked in, and Randy realized he needed to feed the sacrifice. He felt it gauche to give him Kraft mac and cheese for his final meals. It was his soul that would spark Randy's Wiccan career, after all. So he turned the van around and went through that drive through one more time. He actually did order the large fries for Tyler to the huffs and puffs of his coven. Pretty sure he's dead, Seth mused when the coven arrived back home and saw Tyler, unconscious on the floor next to a stack of paint cans. It didn't take much to deduce that the child must have tried to escape by climbing the adjacent shelf, and in doing so tilted the hardened paint cans on the top, thereby forcing them to slide off and drop right onto his minute skull, and by all means ruining Randy's ritual. The leader didn't say a word. He simply made his way up to his room, locked the door, and threw himself onto his bed. He prayed long and hard to whoever would listen as to why this was happening to him. Was he not a descendant of some of the greatest of Satan's disciples? He can't even keep a child alive. How was he supposed to bring about pandemonium and be the impetus for hell on earth? Just then, it hit him. His grandma's notebooks were annoyingly numerous. Though she had not spoken much of the craft to him, he could clearly see that she had dedicated her entire life to it, and that dedication went all the way up for generations. How dare he pity himself for botching his first ritual? It was precisely because it was such an ambitious one that it was bound to hit some speed bumps. True, many witches spend time studying and working as an apprentice, but Randy was choosing to get his hands dirty right away, which naturally meant his road would be a little rockier than most, which he was totally fine with. He then thought about a line in one of what appeared to be an earlier text when she wrote about having to swap out some blood root for barley. Grandma got the job done, no matter the impediment. Randy had already shown this gumption when he made that major swap from infant to toddler, and he was beginning to convince himself that maybe since the child died in the basement, they could go forward with the right. It was at the very least worth a shot, and he was not keen to wait an entire month for a fresh new moon. So he picked himself up from his bed and made his way down to the basement. The ritual is on. Tomorrow night, the moon goes new at 8.15 sharp. Be sure to bathe in the proper oils I have provided for you, don't eat any animal whatsoever, and be here dressed in your robes on time. The coven nodded in agreement as Tommy asked. So we're still using the kid then? Even though he's dead? Yes, we unfortunately do not have time to find another unbaptized toddler, so we will proceed with the body as is. I believe that since he died of his own hand in the same room in which the ritual will take place, it should be fine. The coven once more nodded until an uncomfortable silence invaded, and Randy told him to leave him, as he had a long night of spells, invocations, and the like ahead of him. Not to mention, he had to find a place to store this mini-corpse so his mom wouldn't stumble upon it if she came down here for batteries or something. Mm-hmm. 
arrived and the stage was set. The sky had gone dark and the candles burnt bright in exactly the proper orientation, giving a foreboding glow over the body of poor young Tyler as he lay in the center of the room, positioned on top of the stack of reeds. Tommy and Miggy had already placed the ashes on his forehead, and Seth had smeared the cat's blood on his cheeks. Randy assured them that it was just as good as boar's blood. They stood in silence around the point of focus as Randy invoked the ghoulish words to bring about the attention of as many evil entities as he could summon. The winds picked up, and they even heard a wolf howl in delight. The coven kept their heads down and continued the ritual with the reverence it required. Once the foundation had been laid, Randy approached the body and once more made clear that the soul was an offering to the king of hell and he alone. The offering was one of good faith and nothing was expected in return. This effort was solely for the glory of Satan. With no hesitation, he grabbed his mom's candle lighter and clicked it near the reeds under Tyler. Unfortunately, it did not ignite and he had to run upstairs really quick to grab an old Zippo his uncle had given him. But in the end, he thought that looked cooler anyway, so it was for the best. He flicked the flame alive and with one final glory to the Dark Lord, he dropped it into the brush and began the purge. Randy knew his luck had changed when the body began to burn with no smoke, just like the notebook had claimed. Unfortunately, he realized that common sense would have indicated to not burn him in his street clothes because those did catch on fire. However, the corpse had been burnt sufficiently to a crisp before the fire alarm went off and his mom came storming into the basement in a panic. He was so giddy with pride at his work that he didn't even mind the fact that he was sure to receive quite the lecture once his mom saw the ritual residue and confirmed that her son was now officially a witch. The next night, Randy pondered the past few weeks as he lied in his bed. He had really done it. He completed his first ritual. How proud his grandma would be, and how stupid his sisters would feel. The magic was in the air, and he had led a real coven to a bona fide act of dark glory. Sure, there would probably be nothing of note to result, since this one was just for the sake of letting the devil know they were out here, but it had officially been seen through to the end. Randy was finally starting to convince himself that he really was a witch. He had seen it with his own eyes. No doubt a lesser magician would have struggled with such an enormous task. Just the fact that he even chose human sacrifice as his first was proof enough of his mighty destiny. But he actually completed it. Sure, they made some changes here and there, and in the future he'd like to see less and less of that. But the results would speak for themselves. No matter how one looked at it, he would check off that box and start getting ready for the next one. A few more of these bad boys under his belt, each one better than the last, and there was no telling what power he would accrue. Perhaps he had already tapped into the most important power of all self-love. He truly did his best. He never gave up, and all the mistakes he made only gave him all the more valuable lessons. There really was a bright future for this Dark Prince devotee. That was Randy's Crazy Coven, written, produced, and performed by me, Josh Ramirez. These characters will return in a novel I am writing very soon, so more crazy stuff going on with these guys. Speaking of novel, my debut one is available now on Amazon, ebook and paperback. Make sure you check that out. Link is in the info. And we have one more spooky story in October and five-part season finale. Uh, other people's money coming then so please subscribe keep letting everybody know and as always thank you so much for listening